This is Jerry Mason, the Kicking Lawyer, and I'm inviting everyone to join us every Tuesday at 5 p.m. on the Kicking Lawyer fan page on Facebook for Law Talk Live, where we discuss business, politics, current events, and the law. If you miss the live version, you can watch the playback on YouTube or listen on your favorite podcast platform. All right, Jerry makes the kick a lawyer, and we this is a pre-recorded law talk. F- feel free to still comment and uh, all that good stuff, share, but uh, it is pre-recorded. Um, and I'll get into my who my guest is in just a moment. Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe to the podcast across platforms. Also, all the kicking lawyer um, stuff and whatnot. We're on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, um, LinkedIn, you name it. I think we've got something out there on it. Um, and then also, don't forget to download if you haven't already. Wonder Girl by N.A. The Band. It is free, and it's available wherever you get your music from, Spotify, iTunes, etc. Their full album drops on Valentine's Day, and it's completely free. So you can download that and listen to their uh, good music. I want to thank Michelle Allen. She's a longtime sponsor of our show. She is your go-to in the area, Cry Like Realtor affiliate broker. And if you're going to buy, sell, rent, lease real estate, she would be glad to help you out. Mason's High Octane Martial Arts in Covington, uh, which my guest here knows a little bit about that. Started in 93. We're relocating the place, hopefully in the next two weeks, to our biggest location ever. Be glad to have you guys join us for some lessons. Just visit masonsmartialarts.com, and we'll get you set up. And, of course, the Cellar Restaurant and Prohibition Bar. Every Tuesday, I will be there doing trivia. We have live music on Fridays. We have a ladies' night on Thursdays. A whole lot of fun stuff. Just check out, I think it's Cellar TN's, the website, or just give us a call. We'd be glad to get you in and try some of the good food. And then Masonite Digital Marketing, Josh is always ready to help you take your brand to the next level. He manages all my stuff, does a good job. He'd be glad to help you too. Just visit Masonitemarketing.com. Joining me today is longtime friend, long, long time, long before I was kicking lawyer, is uh, was just the kicking guy, is Mr. James Todd. How are you, James? Good, good, good. Thanks good. for the invite. Tito, too. You still go by Tito? Yeah, it just depends on uh, who knows your, you know, which legal jurisdiction I'm in. Okay. Well, <laughs> so let everybody know what you do. You know, back when we were uh, tighter, where we, you were, I was seeing you all the time, uh, you were doing kind of like me. You were kind of a jack of all trades, a whole lot of stuff. So what's going on now? Um, well, James Todd, I, um, I'm a registered nurse by trade these days, um, background been an EMT for 21 years almost, uh, was a firefighter, police officer for 15 or so years, um, martial arts instructor. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you know, I've done it this side of, you know, selling rims and beepers. I'm, yeah. I think I've covered it. Yeah. You're, uh, cause correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't you, yeah, you took when you were a kid right. at the Ripley location. Correct. And uh, yeah, because I remember your mom always bringing you in, and uh, I was a teenager at the time, but I think I was one of the instructors, and I remembered you then. Just shows I'm way older than you, and then uh, and then you came back as later, almost an adult or as an adult. I think you were an adult because you had family and stuff, right? Right. Started training, and you got up. What'd you get? Second degree? Nah, first degree. First degree. Okay, first degree, and then you fought some in the MMA. Did MMA, jujitsu, stuff like that with us. yeah, so you're real active in all the martial arts stuff. I just saw, a matter of fact, today Chris Bader posted an old picture. I don't know if you saw it. It popped up on Facebook. It. It's got you in it. Uh, and it's where we were punching the candles out. Oh, yeah. You remember yeah, that? Yeah. So that was. I a, run across that in, uh, like in my memory feed or yeah, something recently. Yeah, yeah. 
And then your family all did martial arts. Yeah. And it seems like almost all of you got black belt or did get black belt. Close. I can't remember. Yeah, Close. Uh, uh, my son got his, you know, his tiger black belt, but yeah, you know how things go. Oh yeah, no. I, I, look, man, a lot of people will start as kids and they'll think of it. And honestly, it's good to do it as a child because you build life skills. Oh, one hundred percent. But. Uh, you know, sometimes the other stuff comes up, especially the teenage years, and they do other stuff, and sometimes I think they find their way back to it, you know, as an adult, where they maybe they see value in it in a different way. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you could always come train with us again. We'd love to yeah. have you. Yeah. Um, you know, this probably sounds like, uh, you know, but it, it's on the agenda. Sure, you know. sure. Uh, these days, uh, you know the phrase, uh, a lot of irons in the fire. Yeah, well, you've always been like that. You and I are very similar in that regard. Yeah. We, we both have always My had a lot of stuff lately, going. I've, I've got too many fires with irons in them. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> what shift are you working nursing? So, I'm doing travel nursing. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, How's that going? Uh, um, it's going good, uh, as good as the state of healthcare in this country these days can go. But, yeah, I uh, let me see. So, I was teaching nursing. Mm-hmm. I was a, a teacher at the the Tennessee College of Applied Technologies here in Covington for mm-hmm. several years, and then COVID hit, and I. Uh, could sh- kind of a mix of things. I was uh, not a fan of teaching via Zoom. Mm-hmm. I'm way too animated and personal. And, and, yeah, I don't and, like the Zoom either. I can't do it. And also, just kind of had the bug to go back to bedside nursing. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I decided I was just going to go do a 13-week travel contract, and I'm two and a half years into that now. <laughs> so how does that work? Do you go for a set period somewhere else, or is it local? It, like, how, so, how does it work? You know, it's kind of... Uh, how you it's whatever you want to do really i mean you know some people they do the travel um jobs and they go you know destination places miami they go to the beach they go to wherever or they go to where the money is Mm -hmm. which is usually not the desired places uh so you know you work through an agency that uh you know you've got a a a direct you know agent that's looking and and kind of scouting out for you for places and you put in kind of your requests of where you want to do. And so you know, I've been kind of local. Uh, I've been like Arkansas basically the entire time, eastern mm-hmm. Arkansas, because you know, I've, I've still got you know a 14-year-old that's yeah. not quite grown yet. So a few years, then sure, you know, we'll hit up the Hawaii contracts or yeah, something. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I are both uh, doing travel nursing right now. And uh, well, How does that work licensing-wise? So um, with nursing, you've got a group of states that are in a compact together. Mm-hmm. 27 however many states it is and so your license if you're in a compact state your license is um you know um recognized yeah it's reciprocal across Mm -hmm. those state lines and then if you know say for whatever reason i got the bug to go to california uh then i would have to apply do my um licensing in those states and maintain those licenses to be able to open the doors to go there Mm -hmm. so uh, i've just stayed within compact states honestly just because of the ease yeah and um and where the need is, and to keep it kind of local, you know, it's close enough on some of these shifts. Uh, you know, the travel, everybody, you know, that's the thing now. Everybody's like, ooh, travel nursing, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, well, yeah, the pay is better than your staff jobs around here for sure, but, you know, to go down that rabbit hole, the pay for travel nursing, most places is where the pay should be across the board. Mm-hmm. But you do get some benefits. Uh, you get, um, you know, stipends, per diems, meals. They help cover, because, you know, a lot of times you're having to stay and travel and do things like that. And so, um, I just wanted to stay where, like, you know, kids have something going on with school. You can still or, be and, present. And, right. And, uh, and we've had some family things. My mother just passed away in the last year. My wife's mother passed away also. And so we've had to be able to take care of some family things. And so we need to be able to wear, like, hey, you know, if I just got to suck it up and drive home after the shift, I can. I'm close enough. And, and we've been doing that. And, you know, it's worked. It's been good. There, I mean, there's definitely a need. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, well, you probably get a lot of uh, varied experience if you go to different facilities. Oh, indeed. You know, my wife Madeline has been in mostly in the Baptist, but when we first got married, she worked at Methodist North, and when she was in school, she was at I want to say Arkansas Children's Hospital. Mm-hmm. And so she's gotten, even in the Baptist uh, network, to see a lot of different ways, you know, people do stuff. And I would think that would add value because of that experience of different different hospitals and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I've been able to bring that that kind of stuff to the table. Um, you know, I'm in a small um, rural critical access type ER. That's kind of where I cut my teeth, you know, mm-hmm. you know Ripley, Covington, Dyersburg. That's where I've worked most of my career. And before that, even working EMS in small towns. And so when you go to work at a hospital that's small like that, you don't have the resources. You don't have the, the mm-hmm. supplies a lot of the time. And so you, that ability to kind of figure it out comes in really handy. And then so there's been numerous times where, you know, we've been in a situation, and even the doctor's like, ah, you know, whatever. And I'm like, well, hey, when I worked at Baptist or when I worked here or mm-hmm. wherever, we did this. And yeah. Like, oh, okay. And so, yeah, you're right. You know, having – varied experience because and when you're at one place for a while any job not even healthcare you kind of get set in this is the way we do it mm-hmm. so being able to kind of broaden that out and you know bring that is pretty beneficial for staff patients everybody so if uh, somebody's watching and was interested in getting into healthcare or doing like you done i have my own idea that i'm curious if we're on the same wavelength here what is a skill or um, what is what is training, or what what do you think is something they should focus on, or or that might even be a metric to test if they would be good at that job, in your opinion? Um, so, the to me the most important skill you'll ever have as a, especially in healthcare, but this is public service in general, is inter- interpersonal communication skills. You've got to be able to talk to people. That was exactly what I was going to say. It's, it's it. Because I was going to say that even in law enforcement, firefighting, EMS, medical, lawyer, all of martial arts instructor. And kind of applies to most jobs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And all of it. Is, yeah, but some I think even more than others. Like if, you were, if you're a, a computer programmer or if you're in some position where you don't directly have to always interact with the public, I can see you being a little more um, less personable. Yeah. But, yeah, I would agree that uh, jobs where you're in a service position – it's very important to have better, really good exceptional communication skills. And I do think those jobs can help build them. Yeah. I, I think I had okay communication skills when I started as a cop at 21, but I think part of that is because I had taught martial arts for years and interacted with people. Right. And then it just got better from there because then now I'm dealing with people in traumatic situations. Right. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's a good, good yeah, point. When I, when I was teaching nursing, uh, you know, the, the students would get ready the first time we go to a clinical site and we're going to go and this is their first time as, you know, new little baby training nurses and they're going to go and they've got all this, you know, these ideas in their heads. They're going to do all these super skills and they've watched Grey's Anatomy and they've seen this and they're about to be a nurse. That's cool. And mm-hmm. every class, day one we go and usually like in a nursing home or someplace like that. I go in there I'm like, all right, bring them in there. We're briefing them up. Like, Here's your patient assignment. You're going to, this is going to be your patient today. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah. What are we going to do? I'm like, all right, I need you to take 45 minutes and go talk to them. Okay. About, about what? You tell me that. What are you want to talk about? Whatever. <laughs> talk about the weather. Talk about the kids. Talk about, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't care. Go talk to them. Yeah. Okay. Then, then what are we going to do? Well, you may talk some more. Mm-hmm. So, and then that was um, because I mean to me that's paramount. Like, mm-hmm. if you cannot communicate, it doesn't matter how good you are starting an IV, giving a medicine, you know, doing whatever. It well, matter. there are studies too that show that the uh, that specifically nurses and people that are trained on the nurse path versus the physician path. 
the reason I bring this up is when I was in law school, my thesis when I graduated was uh, called it was unshackle the nurse practitioner was the theory. The theory that I come up with after the research I did was if they would stop with the doctor supervision of nurse practitioners, it could lower a lot of American health care. And what I found was when you look at the metrics of uh, quality, or at least the perception of quality from Correct. patients, the patient perceived better quality of care from nurse practitioners than physicians yeah. on the same uh, practice area. And it seemed to me, and you, you may be able to speak to this, that a lot of it was because nurses are trained to treat the patient, mm -hmm. physicians are trained to treat the ailment. And so the nurses have better bedside manner. Right. And, yeah. and so that's my, I guess that's my, um, my current endeavor is uh, nurse practitioner school. Mm -hmm. uh, my wife and I went, um, uh, we both had our associate's degree, our RN. We went to uh, UT, Knoxville, got our bachelor's together. That was pretty mm -hmm. cool. Um, yeah. That's cool. Anyone thinking about going to college with your spouse, I highly recommend that. Did you do it virtual or, yeah, or did so you go? Did, I didn't know Knoxville did any. UT has got an amazing yeah. RN to BSN program mm -hmm. that's specifically geared towards nurses who got their associate's degree mm -hmm. from Tennessee Board of Regent Colleges. Cool. And it's can't recommend it enough. It's mm -hmm. good. And uh, so we're now going back and we're in um, – my wife's actually a little bit ahead of me. I'm starting this year. Uh, we're doing a BSN to DNP program, so we're both uh, getting our doctorate nurse practitioner. Mm -hmm. But you know, you're exactly right on that. Is that's a nationwide? That's a pretty big uh, thing right now because nurse practitioners really flooded the market over the last almost probably 20 years now. Yeah, and um, the physicians are not super happy about it because you know their pay is getting cut everywhere, their mm -hmm. hours are getting cut everywhere. COVID didn't help it at all. Um, and then, but the thing is, you know, we're going into a huge deficit of primary care providers, specifically, let alone all healthcare providers, doctors, nurse practitioners, PAs, all mm -hmm. that. And so, um, uh, I no hate to my doctor friends, but I do agree with you that if we're going to fix this model, which I don't know if I necessarily think we can fix the healthcare model, it's broke. But we're going to have to get more providers. Mm -hmm. And the quickest, easiest, and more manageable way of that is your mid-level, your, your nurse practitioners. And so, yeah, I agree that, you know, some states have went autonomous practice where they're not supervised like that. Arkansas just passed it. Yeah. Yeah, Arkansas just passed it. They, they freed the nurse practitioner. And um, I, I think in the entry level, uh, like general practice, you know, a lot of physicians don't like doing general practice because they don't make as much money. So right. they end up becoming a specialist some way. But the problem is these rural markets are underserved anyway. Yeah. So if you don't have nurse practitioners, there's a lot of rural areas that won't have any health care provided. Right. You know? So, I mean, uh, I think that's good opportunity for nurse practitioners because generally I think they're going to make more money than they would have made as a nurse mm -hmm. if they're general practice. You know, and the doctors are going to end up going and being, uh, you know, specialists in whatever. Uh, but, like I said, the studies show that within their scope of practice, you know, specific areas that they were trained in, they tended to – and I'm not saying that they didn't give better service, but the survey – the study showed that um, the patient viewed it as better care – because Perception. they had better bedside manner, they were able to communicate right, so with them better. Care. And that's yeah. right because, um, and and some really good doctors come across. You know, you 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 people talk about. Oh, I saw this doctor and he, you know, he was in and out of the room and his, his bedside manner sucked and he was just whatever. But you know, they're trained on the medical model and they're trained to see, assess, treat, and they're focused so much on the disease process or the current situation. So goes back to that personal communication skills. Like some doctors are super great and they pull up a chair, they sit down next to you and like, Oh, how you doing? How's your family? How's your whatever? And then some of them 
nothing to do with their ability to treat. They may be super great, but their mind's going a thousand miles an hour, and they may have ten other patients that are. Yeah, I was going to say they've on. got a bill for all these folks, so you got to get them in and out. And 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 so you know, it comes across as that they're kind of distant, they're mm-hmm. cold, whatever. Well, the nurse on the nursing model is more, um, you know, care, compassion, the interpersonal skills, where you know sometimes just words and and and, and reassurance is the best medicine you'll ever give a patient. Yeah. Sometimes you can't fix what's going on with them, but just being able to make them more comfortable is, is you know, tangible. I mean, yeah. it really does work. But, you know, like you said, with the, you know, the, the primary care doctors, they're, you know, they're trying to, it's, it's almost like a meal. I mean, it's, it's an assembly line with getting these patients in and out. The average mm-hmm. right now, I think, is uh, about seven minutes you have with your primary care physician in your workup. And so you think about somebody that has diabetes, hypertension, uh, you know, most people have a list of problems. Mm-hmm. So this person's got to manage all these things for every one of their patients in seven minutes. And then, you know, the reimbursements now, I think Medicaid or, I mean, Medicare reimbursement for a primary care visit right now is $35. So the only way that these doctors are going to make any money is volume. Yeah. And and it's not conducive to quality. Yeah. So, man, I don't know. It's it, it's it's interesting times, uh, mm. you know, just that part of it alone. And then we go into the the staffing shortages, um, like we're still having major issues with having, you know, finding beds for patients that are, that are critically ill that need to be transferred to, you know, higher levels of care. And there's no beds available. There's plenty of beds available. There's no nurses. Mm-hmm. That's what they keep telling us. Well, it's kind of like you go to a restaurant and the tables are open. It's because they don't have staff to work on. Exactly. Yeah. And the people are standing there and they don't understand. Well, there's a table right there. Mm-hmm. I understand. I could put you at it, but I can't do anything about that. Yeah. And so, you know, when COVID hit, Obviously, that put a big strain on the system. You know, it was just mass influx of more patients. And then you had a lot of people going travel nursing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know several nurse practitioner friends that went and did travel contracts with their RN license because it was more money. Mm-hmm. And so now they're like, well, you know, everybody went off to go travel nurse. So the travel nurses is what took all of our nursing. The, if that was the case, that same number of nurses are still in the pool here. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's the people that maybe didn't sign up for the crisis that the COVID presented like man you know what I don't necessarily real didn't realize I was signing up to catch something that could kill me well or, plus they I think some people left or were forced out because there was this whole the, the whole vaccine mandates you know yes that that I'm surprised there hadn't been litigation for over but uh more litigation over um, but I know some people left because of their feelings on that oh yeah you know so I'm yeah. sure that even further uh, caused more crisis don't want to get you know too controversial. Yeah, I'm, I, we don't have to get into all of it. I'm just this episode of Kicking Lawyer brought to you by <laughs> Pfizer. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. <laughs> so, uh, on another topic, the, I have seen you and your uh, family. Y'all come and y'all really dress to the nines, man, at the cellar. Oh, we love it, man. Yeah. yeah. Where did y'all get the clothing? Um, a little bit of everywhere. I mean, yeah. honestly, we because some of it looks very authentic. So, man, we scrounge stuff off Amazon, mm-hmm. uh, Goodwill. Um, Walmart. <laughs> yeah. If you guys check out Seller or his social media, there's some photos of them on there where they came to the restaurant in 20s uh, era clothing. It looks really cool. Yeah. They're good. You fit in perfect. Yeah, it's, it's like great. you're a part you know, of the decoration. Uh, it's oh, And the place is so cool. I mean, we're, we love it. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's fun. It, you know, mm-hmm. If you're going to go out and you're going to have a nice dinner, you're going to go to a really nice place that's themed like it. Now, it would probably be weird if we dressed like that and went to Cracker Barrel or something. Yeah. Like well, um, maybe. You know, hey, whatever. Yeah. But, um, you know, why not? Yeah, yeah. It's fun. It, I agree. It is fun. It, I, I agree. It adds to the the whole thing, especially, if, you know, we had the, the New Year's Eve thing there. It was a masquerade ball, and almost everyone who came did dress, yeah. like 20 style. And it was pretty cool. That's awesome. It literally felt like you had stepped back in time, sort of, because we had a live jazz band and the yeah. whole deal. 
Um, but but what I was going to say is, when you come to the cellar, you're also like me. You like bourbon, and so he brought uh, as a gift today Sweeten's Cove Kennessee, Kentucky <laughs> and Tennessee bourbon whiskey, and I've never had it, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and you said, what did you say about this one? Who is it from? Um, so run across this by accident while I was on campus at UT Knoxville. Someone was talking about it. And how it must have been near the launching, but Peyton mm-hmm. Manning, um, you know, who was a, a deity in yeah, Knoxville. Yeah, I, I'm um, aware of who he is. <laughs> him and I think Andy Roddick, uh, the tennis player, and maybe like Jim Nance, the announcer, mm-hmm. uh, went together. Um, I don't know a lot about it, uh, but it's uh, named after a golf course that a bunch of them played somewhere in Tennessee, and mm-hmm. they decided to get together and, and make some booze. But uh, it, it's pretty good. And, you know, I wondered if, you know, you know, trying to find something that maybe the kicking lawyer hadn't tried in the I haven't, world. I haven't had it. And All I right. do like trying different stuff, man. Right. Yeah. You know, and I, I, a lot of times, especially as videos I do for the seller, some of them it's the higher-end bourbons just because some people don't know about them. And, honestly, it's an opportunity for me to try them. <laughs> um, but, you know, the price, I've found a lot of bourbons that – I don't know what this one costs, but I've found a lot of bourbons that aren't that expensive – um, that are really good, you know. I mean, a lot of it is. I was talking to a guy about this yesterday on, on bourbon specifically, or scotch, or any of that. It's kind of like beer, you know. Your preference. Everybody's different, right. you know. Some people like Bud Light, some people like Miller Light, or whatever. Um, and so, you know, it's your specific palate. But there are some that I think universally are deemed pretty good quality, you know. Yeah. But I do like trying these different ones because I, I do unfortunately drink enough bourbon that I can uh, <laughs> detect some differences yeah. in them. Yeah, and my wife and I, she doesn't even drink hardly at all. Um, mm-hmm. No, she doesn't even drink at all. She'll yeah, try, but she's just not a fan. Yeah, yeah. But we got on a, a kick where, um, I don't even know what, what motivated this. We got on a kick. We were going to buy and try any liquor that had, was, um, you know, like celebrities. You okay. know, they don't have their yeah. brand. Like, you yeah, know. yeah. Um, uh, Ryan Reynolds' is, uh-huh. um, was it Aviation Gin yeah. or whatever. You got uh, Matthew McConaughey's Long Branch all right, through all Wild right. Turkey. It's, it's right. good, too. The Rock it, it, has something, that's right. Yeah, the um, that's, uh, t- that's tequila. The tequila. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That and um, Dan Aykroyd's Crystal Skull. I have seen that. I haven't tried it. I, mm-hmm. I'm not a vodka fan. I'm not, actually, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, bourbon's about, you know, maybe some Irish whiskey, some scotch, but, you know, kind of a brown liquor kind of guy when I drink. But, yeah. Um, but it was cool to try. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them were a little... A little more expensive, but uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, we got on a kick doing that because honestly, some of them have really cool bottles. Mm-hmm. And, and my wife's thing, man, I'll go into the store and I just, I've never heard of this one, never seen this one, I'm just looking at stuff. And, and she really likes the the, the packaging, mm-hmm. and I've noticed that's been kind of a trend that, um, man, they'll put some really horrible stuff in a really cool looking bottle and sell it for a, a premium. Yeah, and some, <laughs> well, and I don't try all of those. Like I've, I've heard of what you were just talking about, all of them. The only one I tried is Long Branch. And I, I, I honestly wanted to not like it because yeah. I like Matthew McConaughey, but he's kind of my wife's hall pass. <laughs> <laughs> and so I didn't want to him for him to have good bourbon, you know? Uh, yeah. Uh, but it, I liked it. It's good. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 we, we, uh, we've carried it at the cellar, and we always run out. So we got people now wanting us to get more of it in. Yeah. What's your go-to if you're drinking bourbon? Like what, what, if you had to pick one that you're drinking regularly? Man, uh, when I do it... I don't necessarily have uh, wild turkey, honestly. If I just if I had to just like you know fast fire, what is it? Yeah, mm-hmm. Never go wrong with that. But it really depends on the mood. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of a special occasion. And that's one thing I like about your your um, your bourbon guild thing there at the mm-hmm. uh, at the cellar because uh, it, it gives me an excuse. But to try sure try different, different things. Stuff. So that that thing was spawned. Uh, I, we went. My wife and I went to uh, Flying Saucer. Yeah. 
And everywhere I go, I'm always thinking, why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do this? Yes. Why didn't I do this? And they've got the the saucers, you know, the the plates or whatever, if you drink all the beers. Right. And I was like, we could do this at the cellar with bourbon. But what I wanted to do was I didn't want it to be quite as, uh, you know, the, the flying saucer is a lot. I was like two or 300 beers I yeah, think you got to try. Like I wanted this to be much more attainable. And I made sure, even though we have higher-end bourbons, there aren't really that many. I don't think I have any of the higher-end bourbons on the card. Yeah. So that anybody could come whatever their pocketbook, and if you have one drink every visit, eventually you get the call. Yeah, so, yeah you know, it makes well, something that's... One thing you may be interested in, uh, Josh, we we'll to make sure we get his email on it. So we've got a seller newsletter. There's two of them that's going to go out a month. One is just a generic seller newsletter that's got coupons for the restaurant. The other one is a bourbon-focused one. Okay. And the other thing we're starting, and I think we're filming it Wednesday, Josh? Next Wednesday. As I think about it, I might even kind of promote that and let people come watch it. We're going to be doing a bourbon show nice. on, like, tasting the bourbons. Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, what's, what's the time? Uh, Next Wednesday. Yeah, a week from tomorrow, uh, 5.15. Five, so we'll say 5.30. We'd probably be ready to film it around 5.30. And, we, and since we're going to be doing it while the place is open, I thought about setting up the lights and everything and have people sitting there and watching. And if they want to try their stuff, they can. And yeah. me and C.H. Sullivan are going to – he's a big bourbon guy. Yeah. And uh, we're going to try some different stuff. So That's cool. I get all into it. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't – you know, it's funny. I, I don't drink um, – I'll drink maybe two twice a week. Right. And it's more the experience and the taste for me. I try to be real controlled because I'm usually technically working. Right. But it's all kind of the – the uh, image too, you yeah. know, the fedora, and I'm walking around with the bourbon and yeah. the whole deal. Yeah, you know, and sometimes I mean, just a like a good high quality cigar and a and a bourbon. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a, We've had some other people ask about us putting a, a humidor in there, but uh, I, I don't know. I need to look at the laws on how that works because I know we don't want them inside, but we do have a patio, right? So they could go outside and use that, I think. But uh, I don't know. There's a whole yeah. lot of extra. And that's, you know, and that's one thing going back to just the seller and the experience. Like, my son is he, he loves it, and um, of course we like. Dressing up and stuff. Yeah, that's another thing we do. We do, you know, living history, um, mm-hmm. Civil War. That's right. I forgot War. about that. Uh, we do living history stuff for that, and so we we like to dress up, you know. Anyway, mm-hmm. but uh, to him, it's fun. We're dressing up. We're going to get a great steak. We're doing stuff like that. But to me, um, we're getting to tap into something that's, uh, you know, you know, men don't dress like men anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, so clothing has gotten so boring mm-hmm. in the last century. So you know putting on some suspenders and a pocket watch and some cufflinks and a tie tack or, you know, little things mm-hmm. like that a lot of young men aren't exposed to, even, you know, even if it's not like a, a single mom raising, you know, you want to talk about the stereotype, whatever, single mom, there's no dad in the house, whatever. But like, you know, honestly, you know, a lot of guys just don't dress fancy, mm-hmm. if you want to put it that way. And it's fun. And I think a young man should learn that. Now, whether they want to or not, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, how many, I think, how many 20-year-olds, 20-something-year-olds, 30-year-olds on their wedding day, have to get somebody to tie their tie for them. Yeah. Well, also, <laughs> though, I think some of it goes to confidence. Absolutely. Because if you're going to dress unique, you got to be a confident fella. Yes. You know? So, like, <laughs> I walk around with that pimp hat on all the time, <laughs> and uh, I have no shortage of confidence, sometimes borderline arrogance yeah. that's maybe unfounded, but yeah, I, mean, I, I think you gotta you got to be willing. I think it's a good test of confidence because, really, ultimately, what difference does it make? Right. You know, as long as you're not out here wearing offensive stuff, uh-huh. you know, dress how you want to. I think it's a good way to see yeah. show you have some confidence. Yeah. And I also think, uh, and this is uh, an old guy now saying it, but <laughs> I think ladies like confidence. And so when oh, yeah. a guy is dressed better or different, I think sometimes it opens the doors for other opportunities. Sure. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm all about it. Um, 
so the living history stuff is it? Uh, do y'all do Civil War or World War One or Two? Mostly Civil or? War. We we've done some Revolutionary War, but mostly Civil War. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm kind of a history buff, and my son is definitely fall, fell into those shoes. Um, you know, that's his goal. He wants to be a historian. I mean, that's pretty much that's cool for years. That's he's been sticking with that. And so, man, I, I did Civil War reenacting when I was younger. And it was fun. It was cool. I'm like, have you looked at your heritage, Jenny, to see if you had anybody yeah. in any of it? Yeah, I've run it down pretty, um, pretty extensively. And so, um, and we do, you know, some of these. Uh, we go to the reenactments in the state and national parks and do stuff. And I work for them. And then I, um, I also do some work for the uh, like, uh, for the parks as like a 19th century black powder weapons expert. Um, we have our own cannon. We have a full size Civil War cannon, and um, so do that part of it too. And um, so, yeah, I've, I've looked back the lineage on the you know, Confederate side. I've got. Uh, several actually I've got some pretty um, short lineage my second great grandfather and his brother both enlisted in 60, 1861 and fought through the duration of the war were captured prisoners of war things like that and I found some really cool documents and worked with some uh, historians at some of the the, the, the POW camps that mm-hmm. were in the north and then just recently um, uh, I uh, uh, I don't know I've, what made me think of it I was you know had a few minutes I'm like man I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up my family tree app and just kind of start digging it's fun to you know whatever and I found a um, uh, a Union ancestor on my uh, my father's side, mm-hmm. and so I'm like, okay, that's cool. I hadn't done that yet. I hadn't found that. And then as I get to digging through it, I ended up finding out that my Union ancestor was a third great grandfather. Uh, he <laughs> his unit is the one that captured my Confederate grandfather. Oh, really? Like six days before they surrendered Appomattox, and I was like, what are the odds? Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, back then there were just fewer people too, though. You know, like I, I've uh, did. What, what are you using for the research? What is it? Ancestry or um, I've used Ancestry. I used. I think the one I'm using most now. I want to say it's called Family Tree. It's the one that's the the program. The software is made is kind of uh, ran by the Mormon Church. Um, yeah, and, yeah. I heard, I did hear free. about that that they had a good uh, that was a good program. Yeah, and it's completely free. And well, I, I, I wish I had thought about that one first. But I a few years back, because Alex, my son, yeah. he was big into the family trees, and I had been in them too. But as I've gotten older, and especially working, I just hadn't had time to look into it. So right. for fun on the side, he traced our lineage back through ancestry.com. Yeah. And um, we pay for the the family pack on it, where you get it, it'll give you hints if it yeah. you know it thinks you're. And then I did the he he and I both did uh, the blood testing. Yeah. And then it even links your DNA with people that are on there. Yeah, so. I've done that. The twenty three and me or yeah, one of those type things. I don't yeah, know what we did, but it, it was very interesting. It is. But uh, and we had folks on both sides, and then he we traced it. He traced us all the way back to England under King Edward the Second. And then even found that we were directly related to Rollo the Viking, nice. uh, Ragnar's brother, through marriage. <laughs> uh, the king, one of the princesses married Rollo, and then they had a kid, and somehow there's a direct line to them. It's cool. very interesting, though, yeah, that you is. could go go back like that and see that. And George Mason. Yeah, that was a uh, sort of revolutionary period. Uh, right. But a lot of, and I'm not going to go to, I'll go down that rabbit hole, because I'm a big historian on that. So about, I like the American Revolutionary period a lot. What about Perry Mason? Yeah, he's obviously my uncle. <laughs> That's where the lawyer blood comes from. You know, I watch one of my favorite things. <laughs> me and Dave, my buddy Dave, is a lawyer, and we would uh, uh, actually we did a video. I think it may still be up on YouTube. I don't know. Josh might have taken it down, but we got uh, to drinking too much bourbon one time and These decided decided that it would be fun to watch Perry Mason and comment on it as lawyers drinking bourbon. So we just had the video running, and we were watching Perry Mason. <laughs> 
getting a little too intoxicated while we watched. Uh, oh, anyway, when we commented as lawyers, it was funny. But I, I, I enjoyed Perry Mason, but dude yeah. is breaking the law all the time. <laughs> Have you watched those original episodes oh, yeah. of Perry Mason? They're great. That dude is shady. He'd come in there, and I always felt bad for Detective uh, Trag, I think was his name. Yeah. Because Perry Mason would hide evidence and move it around and all kinds of stuff you can't do. Anyway, it's a good show to watch, though. Oh, yeah. He only lost, you know, his whole career, he only lost one case. Really? Yeah, he was always able in that 30 minutes to get the case solved. Uh, There's one case, though, I think he lost. So, anyway. (laughs) Well, anything else you got Um, going on, or how can people find you? uh, Please don't. (laughs) Uh, No, uh, I mean, that's it. I mean, we stay super busy. Um, Just, uh, you know, working and schooling and and, uh, Mm -hmm. we just bought a home uh in the last year which is great you know another thing i just thought of you done that we didn't even touch on is you used to be in some mason studios uh movies yeah right. yeah he was yeah. king koopa in our uh, mario fan and you're doing another one now right yeah we tried to get him to a cameo but the schedule's just we couldn't get him to line up because we're gonna yeah. have him come out and uh and be in in the new one yeah we'll uh we'll, we'll get you to, in the next one we'll, we'll get some stuff together yeah yeah i mean i've i've i've, I've done some acting and some some crew work with some bigger productions and, and then um you know that and music and Man, I just oh, that's right. I forgot you did the music too. Yeah. Again, man, you're like me. You just got so many things you get Jack into. Of all trades. I know. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, we're um, we stay busy. We're um, just trying to, you know, one day at a time in this crazy world we got going on here. I understand. Yeah. Well, you've always been a good friend to me. I've Same. always uh, I've always enjoyed your company. You were you were great with us at the Taekwondo school, and I think you had a good family. And you've always been. You're uh, there are certain people, man. That in life, to me, are are like energy, uh, like batteries. They give energy, and then there's certain <laughs> people that are like energy vampires. You know, yes. the vampires are the hard ones to be around. They are. Uh, but you always seem to, I think, put more out than you take. If that makes sense. So yeah. anyway, I have a lot of respect for that. Yeah, I mean that's, and and probably that fuels why I, uh, you know, have had so many of the jobs that I've had mm-hmm. and the types of jobs. Um, because apparently I did the ancestry. I'm not part Jamaican, so it's not natural for me to have seven jobs. But, <laughs> but I grew up with and my grandmother. That might was, be stereotypical. I could, I'm not sure. <laughs> no, no, no. Hard workers, man. Hard workers. Okay. okay. Much respect. Much yeah, respect. I did say Much something. I said something to Madeline. Uh, we were at. Uh, I'm so I'm trying to learn Spanish, right? I'm on Duolingo. <laughs> me too. Oh, well, really? We yeah. have to friend me on it. We'll yeah. do a quest together. I didn't know that was a thing, but yes. yeah, you can do. It. I didn't know it either, but I got these two other people local that are doing it with me. I'm on a 65 day streak so far. I think I'm like 540. Oh man, you days. got me whipped. Yeah, and I still. Uh, well, can't didn't you even have some? Isn't that some in your heritage? No, no, that's the great thing. I so, always thought you had. Not, no, I know you well enough. I could tell you, you're dark. So yes. I always thought maybe you had a little Spanish in you, a little Mexican so, or something. Yeah, and that's the great thing is that apparently um, Italian and Cherokee makes pretty Hispanic looking skin. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and then in eighth grade, um, a good friend, I don't know what I was doing. I was being an ADD eighth grader. He tells me to quit acting like an idiot Tito Jackson dancing around like I was. Uh-huh. And the nickname Tito That's where it stuck. Okay. So not only do I look Hispanic, I have a nickname Tito <laughs> that's just not even named after Hispanic guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, no, and I've been trying to get my Spanish up better just in healthcare. It, super helpful and plus where we work we've got a lot of migrant workers we got a mm-hmm. lot of spanish-speaking people and um i mean it's just beneficial and uh but yeah i think well you know as as the u.s grows and becomes more of a melting pot in the next 10 15 years i think it's just going to be plus it's to me it's respectful to be able to speak it yeah. what, what i have found is if you're 
uh, most Americans, English-speaking Americans, they go abroad. And this was I found this back 20-plus years ago when I was on the Taekwondo team. Right. But when you go abroad, Americans are very entitled. We go to a Korea, and we're like, why don't they speak English? You know, we're like right. bothered that they don't. But if you speak Korean there, oh, they're so thankful and impressed mm-hmm. that you're uh, – they, they just, you know, they have a different view on um, appreciation, right. that you have appreciation for their culture. But uh, over here, we expect people to be able to speak, right. you know, English. But I think that there's an appreciation for other cultures, especially if you can delve in and learn some yeah. of their language. I, um, so with some of the – some of the, my friends, military friends and, and contractor friends over the years when I've done, you know, law enforcement and, and of course I was a, a you know a SWAT medic and things like that. And so I've done some training and some teaching also. And um, anyway, so I'd picked up a few words of Arabic mm-hmm. just uh, with some of my doctors that were Arabic speaking. And, uh, and so, I don't know, in the last year or so, I had an Arabic speaking man who came in. His wife spoke English very well. But so um walk in the room and she's obviously translating for him. And so I, I just asked her, I said, what's his native tongue? And she's like, oh, Arabic. We're from Jordan. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And so I looked at him. I was like, it's me, James. It's me. You know, which sounds like, it's me, it's James. But it's me is, my name is James. Mm-hmm. I just used my one of five Arabic words. Mm-hmm. And like you said, the man just, he just lit up, you mm-hmm. know. you know. And so here's this guy that's having a heart attack. And he's now, could care less about the heart attack. He's like, oh, wow. Some, somebody so speaks he's talking to the language. wife, like, yeah. ask him, how does he know Arabic? What else does he know? Whatever. I'm like, well, yeah. let's focus on you right now, sir. You're having a heart attack. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I know like two phrases in Chinese, and I made the mistake of saying those to some Chinese people, and then they immediately started speaking Chinese. And I was like, <laughs> right. I, have no idea what you're I get about. the problem when I go to like Mexican restaurants. I come in to sit down, and then they'll see me, and and they'll just immediately just, think. That and I'm like, yeah, nope, bro, can't help you, man. Spanish. <laughs> Well, I'll work on mine. You work on yours. Yeah, send, me a, send me a Duolingo yeah. uh, thing. <laughs> I'll figure that out. Uh, but thanks for your time today. Absolutely. I'm not trying to rush thanks you out, Jamie. I talked to you all day, but like I said, unfortunately, Josh has got us on a time constraint here. Thanks, so. young Jamie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but thanks for joining us. And thank you guys for watching, too. Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe to the podcast across platforms on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff, Kicking Lawyer stuff. Josh is going to have the Kicking Lawyer store up real soon where you can buy merch if you want to. We've sort of soft-launched it, sort of. Okay, cool. Uh, Then N.A. The Band, of course, they've got Wonder Girl out. Make sure you download that. It's free. Their full album drops on Valentine's Day. Uh, As always, I thank Miss Michelle Allen. She is our longtime sponsor. And uh, she's your go-to in the area. And not just for real estate. She's a good uh, contact to reach out to as a professional if you're looking for any kind of leads for folks in the area. And Mason's High Tech Martial Arts, located in Covington since 93. Been open 30 years. Be glad to have you guys come join us, masonsmartialarts.com. And the Cellar Restaurant Prohibition Bar opens at 4 p.m. every day. We also have lunch from 11 to 2 now on Sundays. There's a lunch buffet. And then you can always come check us out. You may even see James there. He's there pretty regular. And Masonite Digital Marketing is ready to help you with your brand. Just check them out, MasoniteMarketing.com. And Josh would be glad to sell you all kinds of packages to make you feel all the packages. Uh, amazing. All yeah. the packages. <laughs> so thank so you guys. Uh, yeah, thank you guys for watching. And we'll see you again next Tuesday with another Law Talk. Keep kicking. Thanks for watching, guys. Just remember that this is not legal advice or investment advice or business advice. This is for fun and entertainment purposes only.